right? It is a didgeridoo. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> he's Australian. He's a, he's a wallaby. He's a wallaby. That's right. I totally forgot Rocco was Australian. Right, 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 right. All right, there. All right. Another shrimp on the barbie then, mate. Hey, they're prawns on the barbie. Oh, cute. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Rode Microphones. Rode is an Australian-based company with a great U.S. team making quality consumer and professional audio equipment. Here at Two Weird Camera Beards, Tom and I host the show using two Rode pod mics and a Rodecaster Pro for mixing and stings. If you're interested in Rode audio equipment, Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller, and you can find their equipment to purchase or learn more by going to mpex.com and searching Rode. That's mpex.com. Search R-O-D-E. And a special thank you to Ray Sherlow for our intro music and all of the other music that you hear when we're not talking. If you dig his tunes like I do, head over to his Bandcamp page. It's raysherlow.bandcamp.com. If you have any uh, difficulty with the spelling, don't worry. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks, Ray. and here we go there we go <laughs> how's your how's your week been kev uh busy very very busy we're kicking yeah. off uh tiptober here at the store which is our uh october theme nice uh, we're gonna be talking about photo tips every week um where did tiptober i guess it's pretty intuitive where that came from but that yeah. got a lot of giggles from yeah our, so our photo tips and october we're just doing tiptober mm-hmm Whatever. It just, it, I, it immediately took me to the cow tipping scene in Tommy Boy. Oh, geez. Which was, it's always a good time. Anyway, every week we're going to have a theme. Uh, this first week's theme is uh, uh, capturing fall colors. And so just keep a, an oh, eye nice. out for that in your email and on social and whatnot. So it'll be fun. It's yeah. going to be fun. We're getting really close to, to fall color time, too. We I'm are. to see some colors, some trees change. and We yeah. are, indeed. Um so is have you had any thoughts about last week's episode and and willing being willing to fail fall straight on your face so not not directly uh but i'm uh this is my uh first inventory we're approaching inventory for the store uh, yes. and uh it's my first time with uh being a manager with that so there's been a lot of trials and why is this here and what 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 is this thing and all I, that sorts I, of stuff lately. I remember those days being being uh being brought in for inventory and how yeah maddening that can be so godspeed tom yeah <laughs> but other than that just i mean i went out to the park and shot some pictures the other day took some photo books out to prepare for this episode a little bit dope and yeah i mean i, I yeah we'll we'll dig into that a little bit later but yeah, yeah. And then some car stuff going on, but yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Yep. What about you? I'm I'm have doing. Have you thought about any? Have you kind of dug into that a little bit at all? Yeah, I mean, 
somewhat. Yeah, I've been thinking about it and chewing on it and everything, but just kind of yeah. keeping my philosophy. You're going to fail. Yeah. You got to adapt to it. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'm really hoping, like, I'm with marketing, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, try to keep up with all these programs that we've got going on mm-hmm. that are going to be cool for the holidays. But I just have a big fear of, of, you know, this is my first holiday season as the director of marketing. So I'm trying to, yeah, trying to keep confident and, yeah. and, and, chug along and just make sure that that's everything's going to go well. But I, uh, I just, I fear for the the failure, but I also am ready to like roll with the punches and mm-hmm. see what I have to do to kind of adapt in, yeah. in the moment to moment. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know too, just for like marketing their own small businesses and stuff, but there are like, if you, I feel like if you're not taking fun risks with social media marketing, then you're just running kind of a vanilla kind of stream. Yeah, I mean, it, you definitely got to risk some. Yeah, do some silly it, stuff every once in a while. Especially when this in this ever changing uh, pandemic 2020 madness yeah. year. Um, also, but good news. I mean, that's aside from uh, aside from work stuff, mm-hmm. I got my couch. Did you really? I did. Dude. Yeah, I finally got my couch. I've been, I ordered, my wife and I ordered a couch uh, back in May. Yeah. And, uh, holy cow, it pan- has been a ride. Due to the pandemic, there were some delays at the facility it was, you know, being built at and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And finally, we got our couch. I'm surprised that we could get you away from the couch today based on how much you've been waiting on this <laughs> thing. And like, yeah, I'm surprised you're not there right now. Just like, I'm going to phone this one in. Yeah. Yep. Um, so an update on the bag episode a little bit. Yeah. So I, it, it gets, anytime we mention gear and you start thinking about like, well, what, what, what's going on here? Like, and you start to rethink the way you're doing things, uh-huh. it can get a little dangerous. I bought another bag. You bought another bag, Tom? But it's not, it's not photo related. It's hockey related. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there's for the. What's in your hockey bag? <laughs> right. Right. That's that's going to be our next episode, right? Um, but for anybody who's interested, uh, there's a company called Pacific Rink that makes a bag called a pond bag or a pond pack or something like that. I'm looking up the uh, Pacific Rink. It uh, is the pond pack. And it like you where the water bottle holders are on the sides. Right. Normally, it's got two bigger pockets there and hooks that keep your skates there. And then it's got a helmet like a clip on the outside it's got room inside for pads and all that stuff okay okay i'm so stoked it's it's gonna be dope all right so for any hockey lovers out there uh yeah. check out the pacific rink pond pack yeah um it looks really interesting it makes sense to have those side things like holding those are your right? uh, your, your skates skates right yeah your blades and it'll do yeah it'll do inlines or it'll do uh ice skates so hmm. i'm excited i'm really i'm like too excited like for this dumb bag yeah <laughs> All right. Well, this week we're going to be talking about our inspiration and um, left brain, right brain, and how Mm -hmm. we uh, approach things uh, a little bit differently, each of us. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to share some of our favorite artists, and we want to talk about uh, all things that are just inspirational. And the way that Tom and I wanted to approach this um, was that we both admitted to ourselves, and we were talking with our executive producer, Maddie, that... Um, 
inspiration can come from both sides of the brain uh, mm-hmm. your left brain which is more logical and problem solving mm-hmm. and your right brain which is more creative and um, flexible when it comes to concepts and theory so both of us have things on both sides of our brain that inspire <laughs> us and i think do we just want to dive into it now sure yeah okay. i mean it's it, and as we've discussed even prior to this episode a little bit like there's a lot of gray area too because a lot of the technical problems have creative solutions and a lot of the creative problems have technical aspects for getting there kind of thing so it is kind of like you want to veer down one rabbit hole but then the other one pops up and that yeah. sort of thing so yeah yeah it's so as funky. you as you listen to us uh on this episode try to hang on to the ride because just like last week um it's going to be more of a, a conceptual uh mm-hmm. and, and talking about experience rather than talking about gear we will kind of touch on gear here and there uh, mm-hmm. i i will at least in my um technical side of things so yeah let's just get to it um so there's two big things that inspire me and i kind of just broke this down into two very simple things one mm-hmm. a new piece of gear will inspire me i think that anybody who walks through the doors of midwest photo and shops here will admit that yeah the second you get a new piece of gear whether that's a lens a flash a tripod whatever that thing will inspire you to go create something new. Yeah. Right. Well, and it just, it changes your process like directly. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the things that I have been thinking about recently and trying to get out of a long term creative rut are what has been getting me to go and shoot. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's been getting me to go and shoot are small and discreet rangefinder style cameras. Um, oh yeah. So I bought that Canonet QL17 that we had yeah. talked about. I had bought it right after our film episode. Um but I had bought that and Ashley and I have been shooting crazy on that. Yeah. So um it's easy to carry with you and not have a lot of gear. And that's what I think has been bogging me down for a long time is carrying around too much gear. And so with that, I also thought back to my very first quote-unquote rangefinder style which was an x100 i had i had the x100s so i waited i waited until they solved some of the autofocus issues with fujifilm um fujifilm has this whole x series of cameras um which are just amazing i had the x100s at one point Mm -hmm. i kind of wish i never got rid of it because i i truly do love shooting with those cameras we've uh they're now up to the x100v which is the fifth generation that and camera is so sweet. That too. camera is so cool. Yeah. I love that camera so much. Um, it's small. It's non-interchangeable lens. It's an APS-C, so it's a crop frame. It's it's a quite a large sensor compared to even a phone. Yeah. But um, they also have other rangefinder style, like the X Pro Three, which is really cool. We got to shoot with that when it first came out. All of us here at the store, we had a little contest. Um, and that yeah. one is cool because the screen is hidden. You have to actually open up the screen to, to view the image that you just took. It does have a small LCD screen on the back, and that thing just shows you what film simulation you're shooting in. And that brings me to why I love Fujifilm this, this series so much is because they don't use a... Most cameras that you're going to buy are using a bare array sensor mm-hmm. so the pixels the colored pixels are arranged in a very specific way that it doesn't matter whether you're shooting canon nikon sony mm-hmm. panasonic but when you pick up a fuji you are picking up a camera whose sensors that the pixels on the sensor are arranged in a way that they call x trans 
Okay. And this is a bit more chaotic in terms of yeah. um, color alignment and in terms of how the pixels are set up. And it's it's specifically they designed it with their film team. So it's going to feel more like film when you're simulating those films inside. Yeah. And then they came out with the X Pro the X Pro three, X Pro two, X Pro one. They have a series of lenses that are F two, like compact mm-hmm. F two lenses. There's a 23 f2 a 35 f2 a 16 2.8 a 50 f2 now you know and what the nickname for those lenses are what the fujicrons like, the fujicrons like sumacron yeah fujicron. yeah because they're so sharp yeah they're super sharp they're they're very compact it would it would weigh uh, i mean it's nothing to find a pocket in your regular backpack uh to to get kind of like a either like a lens wrap or a tech wrap and just put these things inside your regular backpack you can yeah. create really, really nice images. And with they're it. all weather sealed. So in addition to that, our, our Fujifilm tech rep, Christopher Gilbert, showed me a really cool spreadsheet that you can find online. Um, oh, sweet. And we'll link that in the show notes, but the spreadsheet actually shows you. So within the Fujifilm lineup, they've got um, different film simulations like Fujifilm, uh, Velvia, um, Acros. Like you, you can shoot all these different film simulations, right? But on the on this website, this Fuji Rumors website, there's a an open source spreadsheet where people have figured out how to shoot other film simulations. So mm. depending on how you input the grain and the color and all of that within the menu, you can shoot Kodak Portra. So that to me just opens up this whole new world of being able to shoot rangefinder, whether that's film mm-hmm. or digital. And ultimately, my plan would be to sell off some of my stuff and and go with like an X Pro Three and some of these quote-unquote fujicrons that you're calling yeah, yeah <laughs> that yeah. would be really cool yeah. because i feel like this will definitely kickstart me out of this rut because these are the cameras that have definitely inspired me to create more uh create spontaneously mm-hmm. um, i will carry them more often compared to my bigger gear so yeah. um all of that to say this is my technical inspiration these this small form factor but with still super high quality and super yeah. flexible within color so um yeah, and that's like I like that because it's a lot of those cameras that you mentioned are they're not pocketable, but like for like a jacket pocket, you could completely fit like a QL17 or an X100V, yeah, or something like that. Or even, I mean, I could even see myself throwing like uh the X Pro 3 with a with like a 23 on it and mm-hmm. then a 50 and like the other jacket pocket and just swapping between the two and just yep. kind of. I don't know. Go flying by the seat of your pants with those. Yeah. So those are really fun. I would I would definitely check those out if you're somebody who likes to walk around and just create, which yeah. is something that I'm finding that I'm very much enjoying, mm-hmm. which brings me to my next point. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you are you going right brain now? Now I'm going right brain. Wait, so, before we move on, yeah, can I just up? say something about Fuji? I think for those, like the, the sensor thing that you mentioned, that is like a super... Yeah. Like... It is very apparent when you're shooting with it yes. how much it looks like film. Yes. And I would also say for those of you that like to shoot and immediately post Instagram or somewhere, like these images look beautiful, like straight out of camera, like with no editing. The, J- the JPEGs? Yeah. It's almost bonkers. like shooting film. The JPEGs yeah. are bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to squeeze in a bonkers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, saw it, I saw it coming from a mile away. I'm unfazed by bonkers at this point. 
So <laughs> definitely check those cameras out. We yeah. have those even in our Midwest photo rentals department. If you ever mm -hmm. want to just check out um, any of the, the X-Trans sensors and how that, how that differs from, from a standard sensor. So totally. So moving on to kind of just caring and capturing spontaneously and, um, and everything I want to talk about inspiration that I get on my right brain, what I see and then motivates me. So mm. this is what I get in my hands and I like get all techie and I geek yeah. out on the gear. But then I think about how I'm going to create. And really, I uh, I have a few books that I like and I'll mention those. But okay. I want to mention um, four artists that I really enjoy their work. Like really, really, I could just scroll through their Instagram feeds all day. Okay. The first one is Matt Day. He is mm -hmm. a Ohio photographer. Um, uh, Tom, remind me what town he lives in. He's in Chillicothe. Chillicothe. Okay, so just yeah. south of Columbus. Right? Yeah, it's very, it's like southeast of Columbus. It's yeah. very Appalachian. And if you're a film shooter, you've probably heard the name Matt Day. Um, he, oh, yeah. He's got a very large uh, YouTube following. Um, he captures everything either on like a digital or like a film. Mm -hmm. And he... I mean, he just did a video for us kind of reviewing film stocks, which was really cool. We'll link that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, well, and he's got like, I think he's got like three, something like three or four film cameras tattooed on his arm. Yeah. Like a 500C, yeah. an F3HP, and I know like probably an M6 yeah. on there. And he's a guy who's uh, around our age and he's got two kids, a wife, and he... The, the documentation that he does with his family is mind-blowing because it, it is so good. It is so good. It is, um, it is very, I mean, you can, he, he has done photo books, but just his everyday life and how he captures it is truly, truly inspiring. So mm -hmm. go check him out. We'll put his Instagram in the show notes. It's at Matt Day Photo. Um, the next one I've mentioned before, Noah Kalina. He's the guy who... Uh, I first looked up to when I was starting in photography, and this is uh, Noah Kalina. For, just to remind you, he did the Everyday Project, um, where he photographed himself every day to document age. He's yeah, been, he's been doing that since he's twenty, and now he's forty something. So, two decades of capturing yourself every day. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that of myself. It's it's mind blowing to, yeah. to watch that aging document, but he also has other series that are really fascinating and kind of go with his, uh, everyday life. Like he just uh, published a book of his roosters that he has on his farm. Mm -hmm. He does a series called mounds. So anytime he goes into like a hotel room, he'll create a mound out of the comforter on the bed and he'll photograph it. And it's, it's very cinematic in the way that he captures it because of the light from the TV. And then like the night lights that are coming through from the city he's staying in. That's it's weird. really freaking cool. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre, but it's also very inspiring to just create anything that's in front of you. Yeah. Um, that kind of sounds like Alex Soth makes, uh, takes a lot of selfies in the windows at night. So like in his hotel room, he'll take a selfie that's like off of the reflection of the window of his hotel room. And then the city will be behind that. Mm-hmm. Super weird. It looks like a double exposure kind of thing. Yeah, I've done and that it's before. A, kind of a similar thing, but yeah, I've got a few. Kinda. I've got a few of those types of selfies. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the kind of thing. Like that just sounds like the type of thing that like. Yeah. Uh, this is your goofy th outlet in within your photo space kind of thing, letting your brain kind of wander to these weird spaces. For sure. Uh, the next person I want to mention. Uh, so just going back, Noah Kalina is at Noah Kalina. We'll put that in the show notes for his Instagram. 
the next one is Gregory Crudson. Um, not sure, Tom, if you've ever heard of Gregory Crudson. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, this is yeah. this is my wife's favorite photographer, and he is so good. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast a lot, but I do have to give a shout out. My wife is also a photographer. <laughs> And that right there, that line right there is for... That's for Marty. That's for our office manager, Marty McCutcheon, who, <laughs> who says that I mentioned that quite a bit. But if you're not aware, <laughs> my wife <laughs> is a photographer. You're going to get so much crap for this. I know. Anyway, so uh, uh, Ashley's favorite photographer is Gregory Crutzen. I really like Gregory Crutzen. I wouldn't say he's like my top, my most favorite, but he is definitely in the top 10 for me. He yeah. creates these portrait scenes that have so much depth and story and information that you are left with more questions about him with every photograph you look at he should have been a filmmaker for a24 studios yes what he should have been it's it's very again cinematic it's dark it's got tons of depth like Mm -hmm. the amount of depth in one photograph from him he shoots eight by ten probably right i'm almost sure it's large format it's got i'll have to go back and i'll have to go back and look but it's it's quite impressive the last one I'm going to mention, uh, so uh, Gregory Crudson at Crudson Studio is his Instagram. We'll put that in the show notes. And then the last one I want to mention is Tariq Ture. Tariq is a, um, a f- local photographer here who uh, documents uh, refugees. And Tariq's approach is more impressive to me than anything else. He puts gear and all of that tech information absolutely last. Mm-hmm. When he is photographing a subject, it's all about meeting them, seeing who they are, talking with them about their stories and their experiences, and then capturing them. Yeah. And that is truly inspiring mm-hmm. in terms of, of uh, being creative and everything. I yeah. wish I had the <laughs> patience yeah. to, anytime I captured a photograph uh, of somebody to sit down and, and somebody else that does this too is Leonardo Carrizo. He will talk mm-hmm. with somebody for two hours before he even takes out his camera. Yeah. But Tariq, I believe is the same way in that he really truly sits down and listens to their stories. Sure. Yeah. And, um, I would highly recommend checking out his work because it, that shows through in his portraiture. Yeah. Um, so that's at Tariq Ture. We'll put Which, that in the show notes. Too. Like the depth of that is mind blowing too, because mm-hmm. he's also capturing it in the most difficult. He's capturing a portrait on large format film, yeah. which is probably the most difficult way to capture a portrait because you're, it's a moving subject. You can't see them when you're taking the picture. And then he's also like, he's carrying on a conversation under a dark cloth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's uh to to use a Kevin Deskins term, it's bonkers what he's doing. <laughs> so yeah. So we'll list all of their uh, Instagrams in the show notes. Those are the folks that I look up to, and when I when I see their work, they truly they inspire me to go out and create um, something new, all the time. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. a good list. Yeah. So uh, Tom, I'll I'll let you let you uh, you you've got some information here you want to share that that inspires you and your left and right brain. There we go. Yeah. So. A lot of mine, so I'll start with the uh, the ones that are immediately obvious. Um, so for, for right brain, I'm going to start with the right brain. You started with left brain. That's, it's only, you know, that's only fitting for both of us. <laughs> um, I think I'm more of a right brain person. I think you're more of a left brain person Absolutely. in terms of our process. Yep. Um, I'm going to start off with, uh, a couple, 
a couple like portfolio type things. Uh, the first one being Thomas Demand. Uh, I've got an exhibition catalog from him from uh, from one of his shows at MoMA. He is an, a cool photographer just because he constructs he constructs things to be seen to be photographed. So. I would almost say that he's more of a sculptor first and then a photographer second, which that idea of like that perception of creating and that process like opened my mind to what I could do in the studio very much like similarly to like a Crudson kind of photographer. Um, the next couple are actually two MoMA kind of two... Uh, collections put together by MoMA employees very like l like long ago. So the first one is Edward Steichen's Family of Man, and it was a exhibition that he put together consisting of a lot of different photographers from all over the world following World War II and almost like kind of reuniting the world after such a traumatic event. And the way he displays them and stuff just is inspiring to me because it's it's not a conventional kind of uh, not a conventional kind of gallery display. So I think that's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, and then John Sarkowski looking at photographs. This one's almost like this was really the first like legitimate like photo book that I looked at uh, in my first darkroom class in high school. And so for me, looking back through this book is a lot like listening to an old mixtape that I would have had in high school or something. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of, it, it gets my brain kind of going like that. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is Saving Face. It is, this is the art and history of the goalie mask. And you were kind of laughing at this. Yeah. So you had photographed this uh, for the, you kind of like photographed a stack of books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was when I was hanging out at the park, yeah. reading a little bit and taking some pictures, and yeah. Um, so this is actually so. I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. <laughs> of course you did. Of course I did. It is, by the way, it, even if you're not interested in hockey, if you get the chance, if you're ever in Toronto, once we're all traveling again and all that, um, go check it out because it is. The trophy room alone feels like you're walking through something in Hogwarts or something. Like, it's insane. It's all wood paneling on the side, on, like, throughout the room. It's very, like, I don't know. It's, like, almost Victorian decorated, like, wood and stuff. And then these giant trophies that are, like, illuminated that are, they show abuse. Like, people partied with these trophies kind of thing. Right. Like, they were definitely celebrated, and they're, like... What's a trophy if you can't pour champagne in it? Right. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then this book kind of goes through actually. So when I was going through that, through the hockey hall of fame, they had a whole display of goalie masks and like the evolution of them. And so it's almost like a study in, uh, material science and seeing that evolution of like what, uh, yeah, of just seeing like going from no mask holy cow, those people's faces, I'm sorry, um, to like leather, to fiberglass, to like metal cages, to com combining the like fiberglass and metal and all this stuff. But also this book, mostly for me, like I love looking at old black and white gritty photographs of hockey because they almost look like old Ouija, like 
images from from like the 50s and stuff like it's just it's cool to me and it it inspires me to go shoot like that kind of stuff to push the limits of film see what i can get out of this kind of aged uh technology and stuff like that you're talking about ouija the photographer right correct so just to reference this is a, a photographer actually did a report on in college funny enough um ouija was a photographer uh, who would show up at crime scenes and get capture the crime scenes uh, before really even the police would get Dude, there. It, it, and that's yeah. why he got the nickname Ouija. Yeah, um, because he'd be listening to police scanners and beat the cops there. Yep, and, and so he, he also had a dark room in his car. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't so know that. So he actually would process those negatives in his car uh, and had blacked out the back of his his car. What time frame are we looking at there? Um, like I, 20s? It looks like I, old mobsters. I like, feel like it's like the 20s, 30s yeah. era. But the the um the other thing he is famous for is people would ask him, "How did you get like how did you how do you get these?" Yeah. And his line was F8 and be there. Which yeah. is yeah, that's him. So he was the F eight and be there. That's so crazy. F F eight and be there is the line that if you want to capture something right then and there, turn it to F eight and just be there. Yeah. When he's <laughs> got a very like flash all like flash I don't know. It's just, like, like it's flooding a room flash yeah. like in just these stark contrast images yeah. that like it's uh, when you watch a crime scene movie like CSI or something like that, yep. a lot of those images I feel like are pulling from that. Yeah. It almost looks so. film noir a little bit. Yep. Yep. But yeah. Um, and now I'm going to be going into a couple of things that feel a little bit on the verge of right brain, left brain. Um, the first one is Joseph Albers interaction of color. This like, it's just a study of color and the kind of how they how colors affect each other and stuff like that and how those affect uh our perception and our mood and all of that stuff um and i just i don't know i kind of like to thumb through it and and kind of get inspired that way as well with like different color studies and stuff like that um the next one is more about the psychology of image making. Uh, this one's Susan Suntog regarding the pain of others. I think that this is super relevant to right now just because she's diving into how documenting and uh, consuming like on a regular basis traumatic events being documented. And like if, if you're looking at something that's being documented it's very traumatic and it's happening on the other side of the world and there's literally nothing you can do about it. How does that affect like a society? How does that affect people as a whole? And how crucial is it to, to see those things or to not see those things? And yeah, it, it dives into a lot of that. And that's just, I don't know. So this is, a, I'm, I was just looking up the regarding the pain of others yeah. uh, book. Now this is, this is, this is like a. This is not an image book. This is a book right. that she has written on the this idea is... of regarding the pain of others. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, hits on today more so than any other. I mean, you could open your phone and witness right awful things happening at any point in your like any point in your day. You can open your phone and have access to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which That's... when she was writing this, I think that yeah, this was published in two thousand three. So. We didn't, it was getting there in 2003 with uh, social media and stuff, but it wasn't, it was still flip phones and all that. But 
Yeah, I I just I really like Susan Sontag's writing. She also has a book called On Photography that's really good and just it's all very meta photography. It's literally writing about photography and how photography affects us as humans. Um yeah. I, I dig her writing. I a lot. actually I, I think I'm gonna pick up this book. This sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I'll loan it to you if you want. Okay, as well. cool. Um and then kind of veering more down the left brain, this is more just kind of a review of something that I've mentioned in a previous episode, and that's studio lighting. If I'm ever in a stump, like if I'm ever like, I've got all these ideas, I don't know how to carry them out or something, I like getting moving and uh, setting up lights and stuff like that just helps my brain kind of get moving and like, how would I light this scene and how would that affect tone and all of that? Um, that's kind of, that's my, that's my left brain is just studio lighting and just learning how, how to properly light things and how to creatively light things and to creatively problem solve. Like, I don't like that shadow that's there. How do I fill it without creating another shadow that I don't like? And, uh, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, I started out with, uh, like my first lighting kit was a Novatron pack with heads <laughs> that like, I'm surprised it didn't blow up on me at any point. <laughs> like literally like this thing was probably 20 years older than I am. And it's, yeah. And you have literally two stops of range on each head and that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, now lighting is way more accessible. I would recommend checking out our strobus kits on our website. You can get speed light kits where you have, what is it? How many stops of light? Like probably eight, ten, eight to 10 yeah. stops of like range yeah. on a speed light. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a TT 600 kit with a couple, like a couple of those speed lights and a trigger and you can kind of do a lot with those. Yeah, and if you have, even if you, you want to just try them out and pretty sure we've got speed lights in our um, rentals department too. We definitely do. So you don't even have to, I mean, get a light stand, an umbrella and a speed light uh, with a trigger from our rentals team uh, for a weekend. And you could, I mean, you could create a whole book. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. But now, yeah, I, re I remember uh, spending like three or 400 bucks on my Nova Novatron kit with so limited like capability. And now with speed lights with that much money, you can get something that just, so let, awesome. let me ask you a question then. So if yeah. you've, um, you're, you're saying if you're kind of like in this rut and you, you want to kind of reset and everything, if you get into the studio, some studio lighting, mm -hmm. when you do that, do you find it better to kind of flex your, uh, creative muscle in your mind using only one light or do you opt to do multiple lights? And it depends so on what I'm shooting. Okay. I like, so Going back to Thomas Demand, mm -hmm. sometimes I do like to create things for to actually shoot. Yeah. Which lately, honestly, uh, lately I've been cooking more, <laughs> just to occupy my time and like it's creative. A it it's is a type creative of creative lighting. Yeah, you are creating creative, something. Yeah, another creative outlet. But it's also like, and then I'll shoot it, and I'll have like I'll try some food photography. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in the day, I used to actually make stuff out of like foam core and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. little models and stuff. Okay. And I would learn how I would like figure out ways to shoot those in the best way. And I would like I would do th different things like cut parts of like foam core away. So it's diffusing rather than blocking all of the light and mm. stuff like that. And it's I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I typically do. I typically do at least two lights though to okay. kind of balance things out. Yeah. Or one light and a bounce card. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 
if it's a portrait, it's usually two, three lights is what I what I like to do. All right. A main light, a hair light, and then maybe a side light or a kicker of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. I always recommend, I mean, if you've never used um, lighting at all, I always recommend just starting off with one and a reflector. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. One and a reflector can get you so much. Yeah. And then it kind of gives you that foundation to build on more. Because then if you know if you know what to do with one light and a reflector, mm-hmm. after you've kind of mastered that, then you can add another light and another light yeah. and even another light after that. Yeah. So. And you, a lot of people, like, I don't know, a lot of people come in and they're like, how do I get better pictures than what my phone's taking? Mm-hmm. And just with a camera, if you're shooting it in auto, it's probably going to look a little bit like what your phone's taking. Yeah. Um, but if you start adding, like, if you start looking into, like, lighting and stuff like that, that's how you're going to be able to really boost that and really give like set yourself apart yeah from kind of everything else on the streams for sure all right let's move on to um we kind of gave some some options there for uh like how to how to maybe get kick-started creatively Mm -hmm. both left and right brain but let's talk about one thing that can be a point of argument for some artists um what is the line between being inspired and copying work? Ooh. So in the words of Banksy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good artists Good artists steal. steal. Great artists get away with it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you, like, I see these guys. I see Matt Day. I see Tariq. I see, uh, you know, Leonardo Cruz. I see Noah Kaleen. I see all these people, and I get mm-hmm. inspired, and I take my gear, and I go create. But what's... What is the line, in in your opinion, that separates me from being inspired by these folks to straight up copying these folks? Right. I think that, so that is, that is something that we struggle with all the time within art as a whole, I yeah. think, and photography especially. Um, but I don't, I honestly don't know if there is a clear and defined line, honestly, so... I'm into watches. Yeah. You know this. I oh, don't yeah. know if our audience does. Oh yeah, I think I think there's, the audience might know that you're into watches. So there is within that there's a lot of just ripoffs, and then there's a lot of homages, and the line between those nobody can define. Like there's literally like there's been watches that stopped being made after World War II because they were making them specifically for World War II, and then they started creating them again. Somebody was like very passionate about that watch and they wanted to bring it back. And in that case, they actually bought the name. It's almost like Polaroid and impossible project. Okay. Is that, a, is it an homage or is it a rip off of the original Polaroid? Well, that's, that's a tough one just because right? the, the, they own that name now. They are and Polaroid. a lot of the original. I mean, a lot of the original Polaroid workers are working for Polaroid originals now. Right. So like, I don't know. So I would say this is this is my take on it personally. <laughs> this is such a big complex question and this is, that you just this, asked. It is it is a complex question, but here's how here's how I'll address it. There is a clear cut this is copied. Like if if you take a piece of work from one artist and you're like, "Oh, I'm inspired by that." And let's say it's a straight on shot of a girl with uh her head surrounded by lilies and the light is it's like high key and she's laying down on a white backdrop now if i say oh my gosh that shot this is just Mm -hmm. theoretical right this is just hypothetical it's not it's not actually happening i have no desire to create Mm -hmm. this shot but i've just created an imaginary shot by an artist now if i say 
<clears throat> that inspires me. I want to go and I want to create something like that. And I go out and I buy lilies and I find <laughs> a girl and I lay her down on a white backdrop and I surround the lilies around her head and I shoot at high key. That's copied, right? Yeah. That's a direct copy. I think it gets to inspired and being like what you're saying as an homage when you take the concept of it and you keep writing it. And yeah. Here's an example of that. We like have, if you're expanding on a previously right. explored idea. So here's an example of that. In college, we were tasked with a, uh, in, in my color theory class, we were tasked with a series of portraits mm-hmm. that followed um, some some kind of inserting color or playing with color, right? Yep. So we have uh, uh, an employee here, uh, a new employee here named Sarah. Sarah is awesome. She's an amazing. She's great. She's an amazing photographer. She is super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very friendly. So Sarah, we had posted on our Midwest Photo mm-hmm. um, Instagram a while back, kind of introducing Sarah, and she had photographed greed, one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I have a greed photo too. And she's mm. like, oh, I did a whole series. And I said, I did a whole series. Yeah. So this concept of shooting the seven deadly sins, mm-hmm. which I'm sure many photographers have done in the past. Yeah. There's a whole movie with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that concept of shooting the seven deadly sins and paying homage to it mm-hmm. is one thing. Yeah. But if you look at Sarah's photograph and you look at my photograph of greed, they are totally different. They both represent greed, one of the seven deadly sins, but they're not copies of each other. So that's where my line is when it's conceptual and you're writing out an idea versus when you're taking everything in that photograph visually Mm -hmm. and directly copying it or any piece of work, really, whether that's writing. um, I think the only... It's so hard to define, though. Right, it is. I think the only place where it's okay is cooking. (laughs) Can I give some examples? Yeah, sure. So what about Richard Prince and the Instagram photos? So Uh, he literally printed these Instagram photos huge, sold them as fine art, and made tons of money off of other people's work. I know that our listeners are going to not side with Richard Prince. No. I know that absolutely. I don't know anybody that sides with Richard Prince. Right. Um, but there's also like things like, so, uh, Jeff Wall did a sudden gust of wind that literally in the title of that is, uh, it says after, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw up this name, Hokusai. And it's after the person like Hokusai is the Japanese painter that did the great wave and all of that stuff. Um, but it's directly referencing that work in kind of a modern take. Hokusai was from 1760s. He was born in 1760. Jeff Wall was made this print in 1993. Um, for those of you that are interested in kind of diving deeper into this, there's a really fascinating podcast called the TED Radio Hour, and they actually do one called What is Original? And it actually, they do it kind of more around music and folk music. Like back in the day, folk music, there were like, a bunch of songs that everybody did. They each did their, like, Wagon Wheel. Like, everybody had yeah. their own take on Wagon Wheel. And then they go into rap music and sampling. And it's fascinating to see, like, huh. how, like, 
it, like if you're taking it and making it your own, is it your own or are you still taking it from an original source that that and it's like you and the po- like that podcast and like I don't want to spoil it, but you it it doesn't end with an answer. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea how to answer this question. Other it it, than it like, is. There is no answer. And I've listened to similar podcast. There's, there's, uh, I listened to a whole episode of, uh, and I'll have to find the name of the podcast. I, I want to say it was um, either, it was, it was a Gimlet Media podcast. Now, either you want to say it was Reply All or Every Little Thing. And they did a whole episode on Who Let the Dogs Out. Yeah. And who the original, oh, yeah. And who the original artist is behind Who Let the Dogs and Out. And they even because verified it's such that a, it wasn't theirs. They were like, right, it's I not heard the Baja Man. Exactly. It yeah. could be anybody's at this point because uh, it's been re recorded and re recorded and rewritten and re recorded. Yeah. And it's just, it's impossible to determine. So, all of that to say, it's a fine line. I will say with that, though, I don't think you'll ever face any judgment for true passion for something. And yeah. it's very clear when you're just trying to finish your homework the night before the exam and rip something off. And yep. it's very clear when you're very passionately putting something into that pile that wasn't there before. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. With that said, um, I do have just a Ooh. few books that I want to mention that, that inspire me that, um, that I like I've, that I've question picked. though. Yeah. It was a good question. Oh right? my gosh. I know. Thanks. Thanks Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my, the books that I want to mention and call out that, that are really inspiring. Um, uh, anything by by Pete Zuza, and I, I, I might get a little bit of flack for this, but Pete Zuza does have a book out on Obama. He was Obama's chief White House photographer, mm. and a lot of people I, I have I've gotten flack saying, "Oh, you're just you just got that book because it, it's Obama." And no, Pete Zuza was actually the chief White House photographer for the most liberal president of my lifetime and the most conservative president of my lifetime because he's also the chief white house photographer of ronald reagan okay and his whole goal behind being a photographer for the president was to capture the humanity of the president i was gonna say that like i know what book you're talking <clears throat> about yeah i've got it in my mind and i think i think that you're right like it is like he, it is so humane. He, like, does, it, he does not approach uh, being a photographer, whether it was for Reagan or for was Obama. He he approached it in a way that he did not want the president to seem like, uh, you know, a curmudgeon or like a like just this chief, the stiff. In he a wanted suit. it to be tangible, right? And he wanted. He got photographs and, of Reagan laughing. He got photographs of Obama talking with kids. I mean. He really, truly was the first, in my opinion, White House photographer to bring humanity to the office of the presidency. Sure. So that's that's really cool. Anything by Pete Zuzza, just look him up. Look up his work. He's, he's truly an amazing photographer. The other one I will bring up is a more technical book, um, and it's called Lighting. It's simply just called Lighting, and it's by David mm. Brickell. Um, David Brickell, he wrote this book, and it's all about color temperature, inverse square law it really approaches lighting from a scientific perspective and then how to apply it photographically so what i'm uh, picturing in my mind i don't know what this book looks like or anything but i'm almost imagining like the books by ansel adams the camera the negative and the print but with lighting is that an accurate description uh... kind of going into the ru- the fundamental rules behind this this uh, these ideas and kind of going from there yes okay um i mean he's really touching on there's a lot of a lot of photographs in the book um but it really touches on the science of lighting and how it directly applies to kevin right now is scrolling through it and i'm looking at it it looks very 
very much like an accessible textbook about lighting. Yes, and it's 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 got diagrams and this is my I, I call this my lighting bible. If anybody ever asks me what my number one lighting book is, it's Lighting by David Prakel. So, yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. Yeah. You got any uh, book recommendations? So mine are literally the ones that I already mentioned. Um, mine are Joseph Albers' Interaction of Color. Uh, I, these three that I'm mentioning right now, Joseph Albers' Interaction of Color, Edward Steichen, Family of Man, John Sarkowski, Looking at Photographs. If you have not looked at those and you like, and you love photography, these are very much... I look at these as almost like going back to uh, the like the founding fathers of photography, almost of American photography, and seeing how people kind of organized things on a page, kind of thing. Um, I think that they that all three of those contain a lot a lot of good inspiration. Um, and then yeah, anything by Susan Sontag. Uh, I really like her writing on photography. And just making you think more deeply about your image making. Um, yeah, there's, it's it's just really, really thoughtful. And I'm going to have nice. to check out that Susan Sontag one. That, that one is really interesting to me. Yeah. But if you um, are interested in being inspired, um, know that our staff members here at Midwest Photo are mostly photographers. If you, if yep. you walk in, uh, most of us have shot within the last week. We are more than happy to talk with you about gear, about what inspires us. We even have free 30-minute one-on-ones mm-hmm. um, to get you kick-started in what you want to photograph, whether that's food, products, better portrait lighting. Heck, if, you, if, you're, if you're wanting to uh, capture better family video, we've even got a free 30-minute one-on-one on that. And you can find all of those um, on our learning studio website at mpexlearningstudio.com uh, and book straight right there. Um, usually you have to wait a few days before you can get an appointment, but, um, we're more than happy to sit down with you and in- inspire you and help you be inspired and get you things that would inspire you, whether that's gear or information. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's all <clears throat> we, we carry those out on the sales floor and then kind of a, an area that's set up and it like, I don't know. It's almost like cosi for photographers. Yeah. Is how it's would, fun. Yeah. It's fun. You can play, can play with all the toys that we've. Oh, you yeah. got open here in the shop. Yeah. Bring your camera, bring your memory card so you can leave with some images to play with when you get home. And yeah. Yep. And then uh, if you guys want to go ahead and send us what inspires you, send us your favorite artist. Tell us about the artwork that you've seen that um, has gotten you motivated, that has gotten you out to create. Um, you know, tell us what you think about the line between being inspired and just straight up copying work. Like we want to hear your opinions too. Yeah. There's going to be like, yeah, let us know. Like, there's going to be a lot of hot takes, I think, within that. But I think that it's all good. It, that is a conversation worth having yeah. within the community of photography. And For sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and find a new artist, too. Go out there and find something that's new that you haven't seen before and that you want to follow. Uh, the best way that I do that is I, I search the hat. Like, hashtags are a tool on yeah. Instagram. And I think they're a great tool to find um, something that you might like or something new that you haven't seen before. Yeah. And I don't think with that, if you find a photographer that you like, try to replicate their image. Don't take ownership of the idea and stuff, but try to replicate it. And there's a, there's a writer whose name I can't remember, but she mentioned when she had writer's block, she would write word for word, pen and paper, her favorite authors. She would just copy it 
hmm. and it would get her brain turning the right direction. Interesting. And I think that there's something to that with even photography. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you guys have any recommendations for spooky movies, I've been on a kick lately. So send them <laughs> our way too. I'm going to, I'll send you guys updates. Yeah, for sure. And then keep sending us Q and A's tag against in your photos. Want to give a shout out to uh, Ren driver who took a photograph of his camera bag that he got. He's got the same camera bag as us. Oh my gosh. Uh, so we're going to start this whole camera, this whole peak design everyday bag. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We're going to, so, yeah. Hey, Hey Ren, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for, we really appreciate you tagging us in your photo. That was really cool. Um, we should make a patch. Keep sharing those. We should make a patch. We that's should. Like the, the peak design, a two weird <laughs> camera beard. Pack, maybe, maybe I'll look into looking. Yeah. I'll look into uh, the patches for two weird camera beers yeah. to put on our bags. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, the pack club or something. All right, guys. Well, we we want to thank you for uh, for listening. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're there too. Make sure to subscribe and rate us. <laughs> um, share your photos with us uh, on Instagram at the number two weird camera beards or. On our Midwest Photo Instagram, it's at MPEX, M-P-E-X, underscore photo, underscore video. Uh, you can always send us images, questions, audio files to our email address, which is the number two, weirdcamerabeards at mpex.com. Heck yeah. <laughs> and a special thanks to our magical and marvelous executive producer, Matty O'Neill. Matty O'Neill. Matty O'Neill. Uh, <laughs> and our president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum. Our VP of Midwest Photo, Ken Lewis. Uh, and then I don't think that we had any special appearances, did we? No special appearances today. I didn't use any of the stings. And it sounded like you... Uh, I did we say... We mentioned a few people, but we'll tag them all. Yeah, we'll There's tag them all. There's too many to mention now. And the quote this week is from Susan Suntog, the, the person that I mentioned earlier. And this is from Regarding the Pain of Others. All memory is individual, unreproducible. It dies with each person. What is called collective memory is not a remembering, but a stipulating. That this is important. That this is the story about how it happened with the pictures that lock the story in our minds. And that's our that's the quote for today. Awesome. So cool. I'm definitely going to have to read that book. Yarp. One last thing before we go. Um, it, we are in Columbus, Ohio, in the state of Ohio. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we are recording this on a Sunday, but on Monday, October 5th, is the last day to register to vote, which means that by the time you're hearing this, it's too late to register to vote. However, it's important to know that on October 6th, you can begin early voting. And you can find information on early voting at the Secretary of State's website, sos.state.oh.us slash elections. Cool. So make sure to check that out if you want to go ahead and go in and early vote before uh, the November election. You can always stop in in the state of Ohio and just cast your vote instead of waiting in line the day of election. Perfect. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.